Welcome to episode 42 of The Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. John, how are you doing tonight? Good, actually. I have a weird question for you that you actually have no idea is coming. Oh, okay. What is your opinion on the movie Mulan? Honestly, I've only seen it like once. So like you're just you're just waylaying me about this because we spent like the last like ten minutes before starting the recording talking about Disney movies and rating them. <laughs> Closer to twenty. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um it's it's fine. So so here's my opinion, and this is probably just because of the era I grew up in. Uh-huh. So like from when from the Disney movies I watched when they started, and I watched a lot of the ones from you know long ago and stuff like Snow White on basically like the animated Disney movies. Yeah. We, we um, basically watched Disney movies before they became part of the Disney vault. Yeah, kind that, of. Well, I don't know. I don't know how they did it. It was all bullshit probably back then, too. But yeah. um, like we watched them on VHS. We'll put it that back that far. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so like I'll just I'll just put it out there that like we watched these old ones and kind of rise up. And I believe that Disney movies peaked at the Lion King. Like and I said that like depending on the day, my favorite Disney movie is either The Lion King or Robin Hood, mm-hmm. the animated one with with foxes. But like, so like anything after The Lion King is on a downward slope. That's fair. And and I'm not saying that they're bad. Like I think Mulan was a fine movie. I enjoyed it. Like, but it's not like. I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't make my top five list. We'll say that. I can, I can, I can accept that. Just random thought I had, like, as you're like, let's start recording. I'm like, I have a question. <laughs> and and it, you just wanted to, to loop this all in, but. Yeah. That's what I do. Uh, like, I'll probably, like, this will probably be the most controversial thing that has ever come out on our podcast is that. <laughs> That I think the Lion King was the best Disney movie, and everything else after that is like just lesser. <laughs> Do you like still watch all the new ones that come out? Um, I have a tough time sitting down and watching movies, uh-huh. but we do watch a lot of the Disney movies, the Disney Pixar movies, stuff like that. Um, so, and I'm sure that will ramp up as uh my kid gets a little bit older and starts watching movies. Actually, I did joke for a while that when we had like I, that, the reason we had a kid is that, so that I can watch cartoons without having people judge me. Um, <laughs> but so I'll probably pick up more. There, we have a lot on our watch list and stuff like that, but I still, I mean, I, like the new ones I, I think are good. I really enjoy them, Yeah, like- but they're, but they're not the Lion King, but I have a lot of emotional baggage there with that too. Like not negative baggage, like just like, you know, it's like, I think, like, one of my favorite video games of all time is Secret of Mana. And I don't think that game holds up as well as a lot of other old games do. But I still think it's one of my favorite games because I have a huge emotional attachment to that game. You're someone so, who is very kind prone. of my thing, yeah. You're someone who's very prone to, like, the nostalgia of stuff, um, basically. Yeah, kind of. I, I can recognize when my emotions are attached to it, but yeah. I think that ignoring, like... Like a lo- anything that's sort of a work of art is designed to it to affect emotions in some way, and, and you're supposed to uh, relate to it in that way. So if you completely ignore your emotions and judgments of stuff, I think in your person, at least in your personal judgments of stuff, I think you're doing a disservice. But that's you know, that's you know like we can sit and do quality merits and stuff like that and everything, but I'm not going to do that because I believe what I believe. So yeah. <laughs> I like so, how you get all freaking like deep out of a random like how would you rate this movie question? Like I can well, do, John, I can go deep it. on anything, man. Like yeah. we're we're gonna get into the philosophy behind this stuff. Well that's what I meant. Like you went like deep like philosophical about like appreciation and stuff like that out of like a random what is your opinion on X movie? Is it good or bad? And you're just like, Well, you see, <laughs> Well, it's like it's like the whole the whole argument I had with you the other day, like where you're like, I just want people to be original. I'm like, no, that's not what you want. You want people to be authentic. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I had to go off on a big thing like that, but it's the weird things that get me. But to be fair, yeah. I I we didn't argue. You just oh told no, me I, that. I just 
I just corrected you, and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, that makes sense. You know, my I. I have a large vocabulary, but I don't necessarily know the right time to use it because I grew up around trashy people who didn't have a large vocabulary. <laughs> so I have to expand that in some way when I can. I mean, my spare time is spent sitting and thinking about a lot of these things or looking at what people have written about these things and stuff like that. So, <laughs> But that, that's like really off topic, kind of like that's a big thing that me and uh, my brother have talked about with in regards to um, uh uh, tabletop RPG design, like when we make games and everything, mm-hmm. well, our goal is never originality. We're not trying to create something that hasn't been done before necessarily. We're, we're trying to create something authentic. We're trying to create something that that speaks to us and we can speak through, if that makes any sense. And I think you get a more powerful thing out of there. But I agree with that. Like, I, d- I don't really know if like my personal game creation like stems in the same direction by any stretch because like you know i i made a joke and i was i was at the same time not joking where literally every one of my games like has the same basic seed to it Mm -hmm. i'm not really sure like i don't know if i follow my own preferences when it comes to other my judgment of other people which is kind of weird that's fine yeah Yeah, nothing wrong with a little bit of hypocrisy every now and again I mean, you know. <laughs> Hooray! God damn, this could be a bonus. Like, before we end up in a bonus episode. So, so insert segue here. Our main topic today is legacy. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so, we're going to be talking about the best format in Magic today. And that is legacy. Mm. And I don't know... This is kind of like a, a secret we've kept really close to the vest um, throughout the podcast. But um, I love legacy. <laughs> I don't know if you picked that up in any of the little things I've said throughout other episodes and things like that, but um, this is just the greatest format in Magic, period. Yeah, I I don't play it anywhere near as much as I like. Well, same here. Like, the, the community has kind of shifted in that regard, but um, mm-hmm. our LGS is going to start holding Legacy events on Not Fridays uh, mm-hmm. next year, so... Figured it yeah. might be a good idea to try and introduce people to the wonderful glories that is the legacy format in an yeah. attempt to grow the community again to what it used to be like. Yeah, so our our goal with this podcast, I guess, is we're just gonna explain basically first off what you know, like what is legacy, what's it about, and kind of what we also want to do is clear up some misconceptions about about the format. Because I think there's a lot, kinda like how people have a lot of misconceptions about vintage. Yeah, there there is there's a lot of like opinions on what it means to like play legacy and things like that. And like it's basically like just like instead of like where everyone has like these horrifying concepts of what legacy is, they just kind of put or of what uh, vintage is, they basically put legacy like one step below that. And it's just very much inaccurate representation yeah. of it. So to, to kind of summarize this uh, um I, in my notes here, I, one of our, my talk, the first talking point I have here is, why is Legacy the best format? And so Legacy is the most powerful format you can play and still be playing Magic. Like, real, actual Magic. So, like, Vintage, vintage is super cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy playing me some proxy Vintage because I'm not a bazillionaire. Um, but, like... Vintage is not magic. <laughs> no. Right? Well, yes and it no. Is, it is, but it's so it's very far removed from what a normal game of magic looks like. Well, like, a vintage blue mirror is basically magic as Richard Garfield intended. <laughs> yeah. But a vintage combo mirror... Or anything involving shops or, you know, stuff like that is basically, like, the exact opposite of a game of Magic. Yeah. Like, you're basically just both playing Solitaire. So there's a lot of weird variance in Vintage. Yeah, Vintage is a very strange format. But Legacy, like, Legacy is you get to play with everything. 
Yes. Basically, like there's a ban list, which is actually a huge feature. Um, compared yeah. to like that's what differentiates legacy and vintage. Like, well, that, I, 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 in regards to like in that comment, the difference between a legacy ban list and a standard ban list is a legacy ban list is beneficial for everyone involved. Yeah. Right, like a standard ban list implies that someone somewhere recently screwed up, and they're like trying to like cultivate the format to be a certain thing. Mm-hmm. All they're trying to do with a legacy ban list is keep the format from imploding upon itself. So yeah, when you have like twenty five years of cards, it's not surprising that you're going to get a mistake or two in there that causes problems for the format. Yeah, like that's that's just something that. You know, it's going to happen with such a large card pool that things are just kind of mistakes will be made, and like it's it's much more damaging when you have to ban cards in um, standard or modern. As to where, when it comes to legacy, <laughs> any card that gets banned in legacy is more of just a quality of life thing, like. The individual power level of everything going on in Legacy is so high that you can get away with a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, there's a lot of cards. Like, I mean, of all the cards on the Legacy ban list, like there's a there's a number that are banned for power levels level, but a lot of them are just quality of life. Like the top banning was not necessarily a power level ban. That was to some degree quality of life in a lot of ways yeah that that was literally a tournaments thing right yeah like they were sick of tournaments going to time and having like the time and rounds going so far so far and like you know and if you just go back a few more like banning sets that have happened it's like they banned treasure cruise because the card is literally ancestral recall and that's already on the ban list yeah you know i i was against the treasure cruise ban <laughs> i I am also against it as a whole, but at the same time, it's like I, I get understand it. it. I um, think it's I think it's a fine banning. I, I'm the fact that they did is totally cool. It's just that I'm like eh. the banning of Dig Through Time was a little more questionable for me, but I yeah. I kind of understand it. But at the same time, it's kind of like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like I sure Omnitel used it to reliably win the game, but show and tell would have reliably won the game anyways yeah pretty much whatever <laughs> i know it's like i don't know also since we're talking about legacy let's just get this out of the way right now free my boy mind twist yeah i, I was i was curious how long until we got to that topic yeah it didn't take long <laughs> it's like we're talking my... about the legacy ban list and mind twist is still on it and and that's one thing to mention about um uh legacy 2 is that there's a lot of inertia there to some degree um, there's a lot of things that exist, not just in the ban list, but just in the format in general, because that's kind of how the format always existed. Um, or it has a lot of history in the format. But at the same time, Legacy is one of those formats that, it well, it, it doesn't change and evolve like, you know, modern does even. It, it has a ton of variety. <laughs> yeah, like... like it- you can do almost anything in Legacy. Hey, that's something that I've always like tried to like you know play to the appeal of people in regards to that. Where um, there was one, I was trying to convince. I always try and convince everyone to build a Legacy deck. Legacy's and, great. And one of my friends was like, "Well, is there any deck that's like, you know, that's like uh, Obzon was back when Siege Rhino was legal?" And I'm like, there's literally a deck in Legacy that plays Siege Rhino. Yep. And he's like, really? I'm like, yes. And it's not that expensive. Nope. <laughs> yeah, and like, so you were, um, we were just perusing a little bit before, uh, before the show and everything. And, and how many decks were in MTG Top Eight uh, for Legacy? I counted at least fifty-one different types. Yeah, different types of deck, and that's, and that's different types of decks that's just the listing in mtg top eight so like i play land still there's three different versions of land still there's a blue blue white blue black and blue red yeah and that includes all of those that's one type (laughs) like there there is a little bit of you know like fluctuation on that 
because you know like there is there's different varieties of different types and mm-hmm. one could make the argument that certain decks that are listed as different types are basically the same type but they're off yeah. by like one or two cards but like that still leaves an insanely large amount of variety so like to where you there's literally a deck type for anyone and this is mtg top eight these are decks that did at least okay yeah you know like as, so as the name implies they have to at least make a top eight yeah and and we've seen decks that definitely did not make a top eight doing do fine in legacy yeah like illusions like in our casual ones what one Donate Illusions. Donate, hey, that used to be a deck. Or, um, uh, what did he play? That False I like Cure the, deck. I like the False Cure. The False Cure deck was pretty spicy. That that deck was insane. It was like Invigorate False Cure and like some other card or some, things like that. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> I will say the uh, the Illusions deck was straight up unwinnable for Burn. It pretty much was. <laughs> unless, he cast, unless he cast Illusions, I had... Red Elemental Blast, and he did not have a force in hand. Which, yeah. right? <laughs> yep that's that's not that's not how Legacy works. <laughs> that's not how Legacy works. <laughs> but okay, so John, how why why don't you? Uh, what is Legacy? I guess like why don't you describe the format high level for us? All right, so. Legacy as a format is held together by the gentleman's agreement that they will not ban Brainstorm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it sounds really weird, but it's also very, very, very true. Uh-huh. Like, it's... It's a very common complaint amongst Legacy that Brainstorm is legal. But by the same metric, Brainstorm being legal is kind of what makes Legacy what it is. In a lot of ways it is. And just for reference for people, Brainstorm is restricted in Vintage. Yes. There are very few cards that are restricted in Vintage but not banned in Legacy. That is that is literally like one of the key points for people's argument is that this card is restricted in vintage. Why are we allowed to play it in legacy? But I that, think it should be. I think it should be unrestricted. But whatever. I mean, on that metric, every single one mana cantrip is restricted in leg- in vintage. Yeah, I because suppose because cantrips yeah. are insanely powerful in vintage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like uh. cantrips get stronger the further back you go in magic because the stuff that you're drawing into is more powerful like it's less about it le- has less to do with the actual power level of the cantrip themselves and what those cantrips are allowing you to do like yeah and that's something that like a lot of people don't really understand in regards to like the actual cantrips themselves like at its core brainstorm is not an insanely powerful card the problem is when you combine brainstorm with fetch lands, it basically turns into ancestral recall. Yeah, it gets really good. <laughs> like you're not up in carded quality, or you're sorry, you're not up in card quantity, but you are way up in card quality, which is where like brainstorm is basically the glue that holds so many decks together. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you don't have to play blue in Legacy, at contrary to what everyone in the world thinks. Yeah, that's one of the big misconceptions, and we'll we'll deep dive into that in just a just a few moments here. But yeah, like one of the one of the biggest things that people went went off about in regards to blue cards was you know the aforementioned Treasure Cruise. Treasure Cruise quotations dominated the Legacy format before it was banned. But there was an SCG open that got that was one with Maverick, which is a green, white, black deck, no blue mm-hmm. at all. And the th- but the thing is, Maverick is really good against the decks that play Treasure Cruise. Yep. So, and you know, someone saw that they transitioned into being like, well, I'm just going to play the deck that's good in the meta, and they won because of it. Like, you don't need to play blue to 
be doing powerful things in Legacy. And that's something mm-hmm. that, like, you know, it's a very common misconception about the format. Is like, you know, you're playing blue or you're losing. Which yeah. is, and that's and that's not true. Bl- playing blue is a lot of times more fun, depending on who you are. But <laughs> yeah, like, the, but you don't have to. The thing about blue decks in Legacy is like blue gives you options. Mm-hmm. And competitive people like options. Yes. That is why blue seems to be dominant, as it were, in older formats. Is because, but it's it has less to do with you know blue cards themselves, and more has to do with the mindset of the people who's playing them. You know, mm-hmm. you want to have your deck to have play to it. You want to have options to do what you want to do in it, and that's just like. So it's like it's. I honestly think it's less the sins of the cards and more the sins of the people who are playing the cards because people. I mean, that's are usually the case. <laughs> yeah, it's like people are boring and they're gonna want to play what they perceive to allow give them the highest chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. And the better you are, the more play you get out of cards like blue because there's so many choices. Exactly. Like you know. The, the skill level difference between, you know, someone who's brand new to Magic casting Brainstorm and John Finkel casting Brainstorm is literally worlds apart. And that's, yeah. just, that's, just, that's just a fact of, like, how versatile Brainstorm is, you know. Its complexity increases the better you are at Magic. So, don't, like, you know, don't, don't take this little rant about... Um, brainstorm as me implying that you should be playing blue decks in Legacy because I like I don't think it sh- it is necessary to play blue decks in Legacy. I personally do not have a blue deck built in Legacy right now. You know, it's I it's, do, but yeah. my my first but my first deck was not blue. No, and l- you're only playing blue because it contains standstill. Yes, I'm actually <laughs> playing it for not brainstorm, even though I'm playing brainstorm in the deck because I'm playing blue. Yeah, that's just a side effect, right? Yeah. And that so, also, I'm sorry, I would say that also leads into the other um, common misconception of legacy, where it is entirely held together by force of will, which it is and it isn't. Yeah, like force of force will. Of, I'm sorry, oh, you you can go. I I just waited for five minutes. I, force of will, I feel like, is the card that keeps everyone honest. Yes. Like Force Force of Will is the policeman of the format. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of the fun police in some ways. Like that and burn. <laughs> uh I'd say it's but, less burn. It's more price of progress. Price of progress, yes, that we'll <laughs> go with that. But um but that deck, you know. Um but like Force of Will is the card that keeps keeps the combo decks from going insane it keeps it keeps all the decks in check so that none of them can really get out of hand if that makes any sense like force of will is i think i think when people look at force of will they think the card in and of itself is way 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 better than it actually is in and of itself and i think a lot of that has to do with its role in like what they perceive its role in legacy as as being the policeman of the format Mm-hmm. Like, Force of Will is very similar to an actual police officer, right? Like, you don't ever want to have them around, but when you want a cop around, you really, really want one around, right? <laughs> like, you never want to have Force of Will in your hand unless your opponent's trying to kill you. Yep. You know? And it's like it functions very similar to that regard, to where like there's many like blue decks out there that only play like three force of will because that's like the bare minimum they can play, and still be able to possibly not die to something, which is just glorious. <laughs> uh, like I like we we've ragged on force of will a lot, and we will continue to rag on force of will for as long as people think that it's like the greatest counterspell ever printed in Magic. So John, never mind. I was going to ask you what the greatest counterspell ever printed in Magic is, but we'll just let that one go for now. Mana Drain. Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good. We we figured it out. Yeah. I don't need any more. 
<laughs> I, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Abandoned legacy. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, you know, force of will is important, and it is definitely a linchpin of the format, but it is not a pillar of the format. Like, mm-hmm. it is something that I'm glad exists because it lets me actually play a game of Magic. But it's not a card I ever like casting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those cards. It's like, the funny thing is, is I think I've had more situations where I'm like, I have a damn force of will in my hand than I've been like, oh, sweet, I have a force of will in my hand. Yeah, because like, the one thing in regards to that is like you're almost never playing against someone who is playing one of those unfair decks yeah like you don't want force of will in your hand if your opponent is playing death right shaman yeah that's bad you you don't want force of will in your hand if your opponent goes you know turn one aether vial well maybe you do because you can counter the aether vial but you know if they cast like a turn two thalia off of cavern of souls that force of will got real bad. Really bad. You're sitting there looking, and you're like, Ugh. yeah. It's like you know, you do, like force of will is not meant for the fair decks. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 there to save your life. Like it's card disadvantage, and you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, being being down a card is better than dying. Yeah. Especially when the cards that you're countering because you're going to die on turn one usually means you're not two for one-ing yourself, you're two for your enti- your opponent's entire opening handing. Yeah. Which is pretty dang good for those it's, who are wondering. It's alright. <laughs> it's acceptable at least. but So that's, the, that's probably now the second most controversial thing that we have ever said <laughs> on this podcast. Right next to our Disney thing. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so those are kind of the two of the big cards that people think when when you talk about Force of Will. And that kind of covers some of the misconceptions about it. But let's let's get into some more of the misconceptions about Force of Will. So, John, do you have to sell your house to buy a Legacy deck? Uh, shockingly enough, no. <laughs> really? Yes. Even if you don't fall face first into a bunch of dual lands, right? Uh, go f yourself. <laughs> you see that? I self-edited, so you don't have to beat me out this time. <laughs> Twa waffle. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta decide if I want to beat that out. <laughs> um, yes, like a ve- another like very common misconception for people is that to play Legacy. You need to drop three thousand dollars on a mana base. I mean, let's be fair up front with this. You can do that, and some decks you need to. <laughs> yes, you can do that. Some decks you need to do that. But especially if you're playing only at a local level, and especially if you're not someone who absolutely needs the feels the need to play the absolute best deck in the format which is currently a four color deck mm-hmm. you don't you can get away with a lot less than you think oh yeah like when i first started playing legacy i played a goblins deck actually i built goblins before i even built burn and not surprising i, I I did not have dual lands. I did not have wastelands. I did not have Rashadden ports. I played with ghost quarters. I played a bunch of other lands that actually tap for mana to replace my Rashadden ports, because nothing else I could do. And I played with sacred foundries mm-hmm. in place of plateaus. And multiple times, I actually won legacy FMs with that. Like, the the like obviously I was playing a deck that didn't require me to play that many Shocklands. Like, I was playing Goblins Splashing White for Thalia. Yeah. But the thing is, like, even in my, what is literally a four-color Goblins deck, the one I'm running right now, I'm only running 
three actual dual lands because the shock lands that or the fetch lands that I have allow me to actually you know go get them and like playing three three shock lands instead of three dual lands like yeah it'll matter in some matchups like if you get into a weird racing situation or obviously against burn it's gonna feel really bad when you have to fetch shock yeah that can feel really bad for but you know not for the burn player but <laughs> yeah but like in most situations like if I'm playing against show and tell two life doesn't matter <laughs> like like having to fetch shock to cast my Thalia is not like that Thalia is worth way more to me than two life is going to be because I'm slowing them down. If they're killing me, they're killing me with a flying Yawgmoth bargain or, you know, the literal pound for pound best creature in all of magic being a 15 drop flyer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, you do. Right. Like uh-huh. when it, when it comes to storm, yeah, Every once in a while, two life will matter. They'll like maybe they can only get like you know storm count to nine to kill you. But once again, in most situations, you know, fetch shocking and casting Thalia is more valuable to me than that two life will be because if <laughs> storm deck's going off, most of the time, it do- like they can go as high as they want. That's yeah. just what yeah. Legacy Storm does. Yeah, I mean like. And, I mean, the first deck I built, I built Burn. Like, we'll just be straight up on there. And my, my mana base was pretty complex, actually, when I first built the deck. Um, it was, uh, I believe, 20 mountains. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 20 basic lands was the deck. Not even, not I've, even I've, good I've mountains. Won. I'm sorry? Not even, good, not even good mountains. No, they were all different mountains, too, I think, just to tilt people. Um, <laughs> and... I've upgraded the deck a little bit now, so I run fetch lands now, which, not, I mean... Not many. <laughs> not many. And, like, I've won FNMs with that. You know, back when I... I the, the first Legacy event I went to, I won. <laughs> yeah. With my... And, and I don't think... I didn't have all the optimal stuff at that time either. I got, I got really lucky, but, I mean, I've won it with, with the deck I have. So you, you don't need to sink you know tons of money into into these dual land um builds and stuff and i think one of the great things about it is too is that you can just kind of pick pieces of it as you go a lot of times yeah that's those cards that have replacements that's something that a lot of people bring up you know like they want to if they're trying to like get into legacy they're always like well my only choices are to buy into burn or to sell my house for dual lands and all that and like you know, the point is, like, yeah, Burn is the literal cheapest deck in the format. Yeah. Like, because of the lands it runs. And yeah. that's just, like, that's that's always going to be true. The thing is, like, you know, if you play a deck that doesn't run a mana base of entirely blue duels, you know, you can still, like, you know, you can play the Shocklands. Like, I, the odds are, you know, someone who's, like, trying to get into Legacy, they probably are already, like, kind of in modern or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, you probably already have, you know, fetch lands, or, like, you know, fetch lands get repr- were reprinted recently, so, like, a lot of them are actually relatively cheap right now. And, like, even if you're just playing something, like, if, like, you really, really want to play a blue deck, mm-hmm. right? Like, Force of Wills are... I have also been reprinted recently. You know, they're relatively cheap. You can play something like Blue Red Delver, which is an actual deck in the format. Oh yeah. Even though it doesn't have Treasure Cruise anymore, which is actually like the deck's actually really sweet because it actually you know main decks Price of Progress. It's a fun deck, and plus Price of Progress is the oh I love that card. That's why I play. <laughs> that was for a while why I played Burn. Like actually, that's one of the reasons I love playing Burn. Yeah, but like you know, like that—that's a two-color deck that does play Volcanic Islands, but it's—it doesn't fetch them as much as you know someone would normally fetch a dual land because of the fact that you know they're trying to cast Price of Progress. Like there are options to play blue decks that don't need actual dual lands. Like if you're playing Show and Tell, you don't care if you fetch Shock yourself to get a Steam Vents because you're trying to kill your opponent with an Emrakul. Yeah. And if you, you know. put that on the table, it doesn't matter if you have one life or 300 life. You pretty much won that game. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
I um there was a point where when you when you were playing Blue Red Delver or sorry Blue Red Standstill where I was actually playing like one or two shock lands in my storm deck. Yeah. Because you were using the dual lands that I would normally mm-hmm. be using and like and that was perfectly fine with me because like you know two lands or two life only matters with a specific card in the deck mm-hmm. and that's ad nauseum. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, of, you may not even have sideboarded the right color lands in, so it doesn't, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh. You shut your whore mouth. <laughs> okay. I will continue. All right. But, like, you know, like, it only matters with ad nauseum. And, like, yes, the two life can matter with ad nauseum. I have mm-hmm. ad nauseum down to one before. But... Most of the time, I get what I need before I have to go that yeah. far. I mean, and, you know, the different. Oh, continue. Sorry. The, the difference between having to add nauseum to one and and dying is is like, well, what if that last card I revealed was a cabal ritual instead of a dark ritual? Like, it literally doesn't really matter. Like, there's so many other variants variants because you know it's random cards. There's so many other things that could happen that result in me dying. Mm-hmm. To where, like, the odds of that two-life mattering are very, very slim. Yeah, like, like, are you losing percentage points? Yes, yes, you are. I don't think, I don't think we can deny that. You're, you're playing a less powerful card. But it's not as many points, percentage points, as you probably think. Like, no. you, can, you can make it work. Yeah. Especially because, like, you know, the, the whole purpose of this is, you know, to try and explain to people why the actual um like this is for like primarily playing on the local level right because (laughs) you can only hear someone say oh legacy is super super sweet and you should play it so many times before you have to actually play legacy to see if you truly enjoy it and like having to jump off the deep end and buy a play set of dual lands and buy a play set of force of wills and buy a play set of candelabra of tanos to play this one deck you want to play it's like you're going so far off the deep end and then what happens if you find out that you don't like that deck or maybe like you could be completely insane maybe you just don't actually like legacy like there's nothing there's lots wrong with that there's nothing. There, there's lots wrong with that, but there's nothing actually wrong with not liking Legacy. And then you know, trying to li- liquidate those cards that you recently got are so much more difficult because, like, yes, Legacy cards and Reserveless cards are worth a lot of money, mm-hmm. but the market on them doesn't shift like barely at all. Yeah, it's not something that changes all the time. And that's something that a lot of people just don't, you know, you don't want to get stuck with, you know, four underground seas and no idea how to get rid of them because you're not going to want to buy list them out. You know, you want to try and recoup at least some of what you spent on them. That is just one of those like problems that is just (laughs) a curse of curse of wealth (laughs) being stuck with four underground seas. But I mean, like you, you I get still it, understand yeah. where I'm coming from. I know, from, right? I know like, exactly yeah. what you're saying, but like, you know, it's just I funny to hear. It's like, uh, <laughs> I, it's like, oh, somebody just gave me this car that's way too nice, and I don't want to have it. <laughs> yeah, but well, this would be more like I bought this car that's way too nice, and then I realized that I don't enjoy driving it. Yeah, there we go. What do you? That's do? better. Yeah, you know, you know, it's like. You know, if you're someone who legitimately doesn't enjoy Legacy as a format and you don't want to own Legacy cards anymore, sure, you know, you don't want them. But it's a lot more difficult to get rid of them. I swear, you know, if instead of doing that, you just ran with Steam Vents in your show-and-tell deck. Yep. Like To get a gist, you, yeah. Yeah, it's like Steam Vents are easier to get rid of if you happen to have picked them up. And steam vents are something that you can easily hold on to if you play in Legacy because they're, or sorry, if you play in Modern, just because they're really good in Modern. Yep. You know, it's it's very e- it's a lot easier to liquidate Modern cards than it is Legacy cards, and that's just you know part of the format. Yeah. I gotta have and I mean, like, <laughs> you can even go off the deep end in that regard. Like, there's just like. There are so many decks you can play that just completely get around 
the dual land tax. Yeah. Right. Even beyond um, just burn. Like, there's a lot of decks. Yeah. Like, um, there's there's one deck. Like the deck that I was saying that I was telling a friend that plays Siege Rhino. It's called Nick Fit, and the reason why the deck is what it is, you know, like even archetype, is because it specifically plays a crap ton of basic lands. Mm -hmm. Like, the deck is trying to abuse the card Veteran Explorer, which allows you to get basic lands out of your library and put them into play. Untapped. The card's kind of insane. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like C-plus quality. But like the deck only plays four dual lands, and it's it's the deck it's like none of them are even like you know hyper expensive, right? Like it runs it it can literally run any colors you want in all of Magic, but it's most commonly an Obzon list. So you run like you know maybe two Bayous, which are kind of expensive. Yes, they're like two hundred dollars, but then it plays like Scrublands and Savannah, which are less than a hundred apiece, and then it plays dual lands. Yeah. Like, whatever. You know, Frexian Tower is a $30 card. That's that's literally a drop in the bucket, even if you're just a modern player. Yeah, that's not right? super reasonable. I mean, or you could play a deck with no lands. Yeah, you could literally play... There's multiple decks you can play that play zero lands in the entire deck. <laughs> there's, also, there's also a deck that plays a single land in the entire deck. Yep. I mean, there's, that, there's some options here. That, in regards to Charbelcher, the deck that plays a single land in the entire deck, it literally doesn't matter if you take two points of damage because you're killing your opponent. Yep. <laughs> like, I have seen people, like, I've seen people on actual coverage running a Stomping Ground instead of a Taiga in Charbelcher because yeah. it didn't matter. <laughs> that deck like, there's, yeah. There's, there's just so many options for what you can play. Like, if you are a magic player and there's a certain archetype that you enjoy, I guarantee you I could find you a legacy deck that plays to that archetype. Oh, oh and yeah. Like, like, maybe you might be one of those unlucky people who is like, oh yeah, that archetype you like, it happens to run four underground seas, four volcanic islands, a bayou, and, you know, a kidney. Yeah, basically that's what it is. Like, yeah, you know that's going to be really unfortunate for you. But in that case, stop being so picky about what you need to play. Yeah, I mean, and and here's the thing though: in modern, also there's some decks where you have to sell, you know, organs to buy those too. Like, yeah, there, there's they're expensive everywhere, and you know sometimes sometimes you can do a budget version, and sometimes you can't of the specific deck you want. But the the thing is, the thing that we're trying to say is is that hey, there's a lot of options out here if you can't go and drop 300 bucks on a single card, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, like we, I was doing some research before we started on this episode and I'm like, well, what decks can you literally not play without reserve list cards? Um, expensive reserve you, list cards. <laughs> yeah. Expensive reserve list cards. Like I, I'm, I'm being really weird in this regard, and I'm not really counting duels as being expensive reserve list cards, even though some of them really can be. Yeah. But, you know, like, like we've already established that you can just play shockings in a lot of those situations. Yeah. But, like, you there you cannot play the base form of High Tide, because Kindelabra of Thanos is literally the price of a kidney. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but, it's like 400 <laughs> bucks for that card or something, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's breaking 1000 Oh, is it now? Okay, well, I... I could, I could be... My dad is old, I'll say that. <laughs> I could be wrong. I haven't actually looked up the price of Candelabra in a long time. But yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But the card's ridiculously expensive. Yeah, so that deck you can play. You can play Reset High Tide, uh-huh. which functions very, very similar, but instead of winning on your turn, you win on your opponent's turn, and you literally cannot win on your own turn. <laughs> it's not possible. Which is kind of sweet. Yeah. Just watch but out like for defense grids. <laughs> Yeah, like, the deck can still, you know, like, it's, they're very, very similar decks, but instead of playing Candelabra of Thanos, it plays a $20 card called Reset. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a pretty big difference. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, it's debatable, depending on your meta, that you could actually pl- build and play um, lands. The issue, with, the issue with lands being Tabernacle at Pentral Vale. But the card is played as a one-of, and while, yes, it's good, it's not absolutely necessary. Um, the other brick wall for that is Mox Diamond, 
But that, I mean, that card is $150 a piece because that card has gone up recently yeah. because everything's going up lately. But I mean, like, a lot of people randomly own that card because of um, EDH because they're heathens. So, like, it, that's one of those cards that, you know, like, and, uh, you know, if you truly enjoy a deck like lands you'll know if you're that kind of person and it's not that hard to you know once a month buy a buy a um mox diamond Mm -hmm. and slowly get yourself up to that and you know maybe eventually you jump off the deep end and buy a a tabernacle but it's not that important i mean i mean you may have to store away birthday money in a cookie jar for a while like that's if it's something that you enjoy that yet you may have to do that but we're just saying you can try it out before that i mean I I saved up money I got from selling junk in my house on eBay and bought an underground sea, which is like mm-hmm. three hundred bucks or something like that. So you can work up to it. It just it's gonna take time and you just might have to find substitutes and there's ways you can do that. Yeah, like a lot of like you know, a lot of these cards I'm listing, I'm listing them because like, you know, there is no substitute for what that card specifically is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, one brick wall in that regard is Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah. It is on the reserve list, and there is no replacement for the card, yeah. which is unfortunate. So, you know, there's, it's really difficult to play Storm without Lion's Eye Diamonds. This is, yeah, that's so, a really, really good card. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Storm is kind of out the door for people, you know, but like, you know, then there's, um, City of Traders is also on the reserve list, and City of Traders is also an expensive card, but, the only City of Traders is really, really good, but you don't necessarily need the Soul Land effect 13 through 16 if you're playing a deck like Eldrazi. Like, you kind of need City of Traders if you're playing Mud, but if you're playing Mud, you're playing a prison deck, so I don't want to talk about you, anyways. So, but. You know, like, Ancient Tomb still exists. Uh, Eye of Ugin still exists. Eldrazi Temple still exists if you want to play, like, a Colors Eldrazi style of stacks instead. You know. Like, yeah, it's not going to be as good, but, you know, on the local level, which is what you should, you know, you never want to start with a Grand Prix or with an SCG Open in Legacy, because you will get destroyed. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I, I guarantee you, if I went and played in an SCG Open myself, and I've been playing Legacy and watching Legacy coverage for years, I will get destroyed, because I'll be playing as people who know their decks better than me. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, you, like, Legacy is, it's very important to have it good and, like, functioning at the local level, so it actually can, like, it gives people a chance to grow in Legacy. You know, like, you can only go to so many large events... Mm-hmm. But if and if yeah. if you're not able to play legacy at the local level, you know you're gonna start questioning whether or not it's worth owning these cards. Well, some people will start will start questioning whether it's even worth owning a legacy deck anymore. Yeah, that <laughs> hit a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can I I'm a big proponent of people playing. You know other options just to try and expand what they can do in legacy right like the ability to grow a community is important and being diverse in your meta is important for growing said community Mm -hmm. you know if some random guy moves into town and he's like well you know i used to play magic back in my store but i'm really into legacy and your store doesn't have a legacy community you just lost someone yeah you know like you know (laughs) especially in like a you know larger-ish city with multiple store options, they will find somewhere that w- does have legacy eventually. That's just something that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, otherwise, maybe they just stop playing Magic in general, which is you know another form of travesty. Yeah. And like I, every time I can, I I just want somebody to sit down and play Legacy. I, every time there's an event, I show up and I bring my burn deck, just in case. Or at least, you know, I've, I've actually been concerned. I'm like, gosh, I kind of want to play Burn again at Legacy. So I'll bring my uh, my um, uh, Landstill deck or something like that next if I um, uh, decide to play Burn. And I, I'm, I'm trying to recruit somebody every single time. <laughs> yeah. Just to see. It's I like, mean, just, just give it a shot. Buy it. You know, you, you know what you're getting out of standard FNM. Come on, hop in and play some Legacy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I even go so far as to, like, I always bring one deck that's not of the format that's going on mm-hmm. currently, just in case someone happens to have, you know, a random other deck they want to play. Mine is always Legacy Goblins lately. Like, right. I always have a Legacy deck with me. Legacy Goblins is a good time. Your your Mono Bird Agro deck. Yeah. <laughs> mono Bird Agro. So, I think we need to get this out of the way, too, actually. So, <laughs> Legacy has the most ridiculous deck names ever. <laughs> most of them yes. don't even make sense. Yes. Like <laughs> for ex- for example, Nick Fit. Nick Fit. Tin Fins. Dead Guy Ale. <laughs> I mean, Death and Taxes is one of the more reasonable ones, but like but even that, but even that really it's like sense. you sit there and look <laughs> at it. Yeah. Like <laughs> like uh, for, Spanish Inquisition, I'm pretty sure, is an actual deck. Yeah. Canadian, Thresh, Canadian Threshold is the original name of a deck. Yep. Um, I mean, what was the other one? For, I was for a while, of? decks were named. Uh, they were named after breakfast cereals. Yep. <laughs> so, like, like man, legacy, legacy mud. decks are wild. Mud, yeah. There we go. Mud. You know why? De- you know why it's named mud? I have no, no idea. One knows, but it is uh-huh. every version of Stompy ever. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Stompy, Pirate Stompy, Pirate Mono, <laughs> Mono, um, Blue or Moon Stompy, whatever yeah. it is, Angel Stompy. Well, but but everyone? I mean, even then, like Storm, there's um uh uh, Ant, uh Ant Storm and and TS Storm. Yep. <laughs> well, Tez Tez Storm. Tez Storm. I don't know. I I've never heard you say it. I was you always refer to it by its full name. Uh, is that one the is that one the epic storm? Yep. Is that the, that the epic is? storm? Yes, storm. it's yeah. yeah. Ad nauseum tendrils makes sense because that's what the deck. Those are the, those are the two most important cards. Yeah. And then um, uh, that one makes yeah, that's the one that makes sense. But yeah, the epic storm is the other one. I don't know why it's called epic storm. It's just a storm deck. Yeah, but so it's it's Tez yeah. versus Ant. Yeah. So like, yeah. The, that is the one thing that there's like a barrier with because like the deck names usually don't make sense. But then the funny thing is, is then you get some that are very descriptive. Like I'm playing Standstill, yep. which is a deck that runs Standstill and it tries to make people do nothing. Or Manalus Dredge. It's a dredge deck that has no mana in it. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. There we go. <laughs> But like very simple, yeah. But I don't know. Some of the other ones are just so crazy, and it's because it's had, like the format has had such a long history that it, it it's just had time to kind of pick up all those things to some degree and have this weird weird inertia to it. But yeah, like there is this weird point where like I think everyone was just trying to figure out the most insane way to name their decks. Yeah, and it just yeah. kind of spiraled out of control in a horrible manner. <laughs> but you know whatever happens happens i mean it's it's a thing it, it's part of the charm to some degree mm-hmm. but like don't get me wrong i wish i could explain why nick fit is called nick fit i wish i could explain why Tinfins is called Tinfins. apparently it's a c-lab 2020 joke yeah apparently like that's all, that's all i know we actually googled Somehow. the nick fit thing and really didn't get a solid answer no <laughs> it might be a typo. But, yeah, that's as far as we got. Yep. But. It it literally might be a typo is why it's called what it is and has been forever. Typos. Yeah. <laughs> I think burn should be referred to as price of progress. Probably. Like it's actually a very fitting, fitting name, name too. for it. <laughs> like not even just because of the card. Yeah, I know. You know? Like literally, the deck deck names too. Plus, that card is the most fun to play out of that one. Uh, feels it's, so it's good. The, it's the best card to play out of all of it. It usually is because if you can get somebody into a position, like the the mana bases are so greedy that if you can just kind of maneuver into a position where you can cast that and you can get like, oh god, you can just kill people out of nowhere. Like Price of Progress is one of those cards that is either going to kill your opponent or be a dead draw pretty pretty much usually when i'm goldfishing i assume it's four damage i believe is what it is yeah <laughs> but i also it just makes 
some of the most manners plays ever, which I love. Like people wastelanding their own lands and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> which is just glorious. I mean, I've so, done it. Sometimes it's one it. one in a red double stone <laughs> rain, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's it's super. Uh, Legacy is such a fascinating format. It is. It is so, so cool. Like, just playing with all these cards from the history of Magic. And some cards that aren't even, like, really good cards sometimes. Which is hilarious when that happens. Not, not to the a lot of cards. Yeah, not to the there, point of vintage. There's a lot vintage, of cards that are absolute garbage. Yeah, there's a lot of, there are a lot of cards. But, I mean, it's not, like, vintage where it's, like, Slash Panthers and, like, Origins Bulk Rares show up in lists. But... <laughs> Like you're playing with some weird cards in some of the some of the decks, like, and it's just great. Like the whole, oh man. I mean, Mist Hollow Griffin is a four of food chain is a wild deck. deck. Yeah, food chain's wild. Like the fact that Mist Hollow Griffin is a card in that deck just kind of like blows my mind. But it has Not a unique that. The deck has a unique effect. It has actually evolved as a deck over the years. Yeah. It no longer plays Genesis Hydra, which was actually the card that like put this deck on the map. Funny. Now, now it plays Walking Ballista. Which, yeah, that's good enough, though. Just a better card. Yeah, Walking yeah, Ballista does the same things. It used to Genesis Hydra into an Emrakul to win the game. I approve of this. just cast a Walking Ballista. I, I really <laughs> wish uh, Hyper Genesis was still a deck. I don't. I do. I would play it. That deck was an unreasonable card. Or that deck was an unreasonable... That card is unreasonable. That deck was unreasonable. Did it get banned out, or what happened? Hypergenesis? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they banned Hypergenesis. Did they? Oh. I wish Hypergenesis was still around. That deck's super funny. Well, let's look it up. I thought it was... Legality. Oh, it is... I thought it was still legal. Oh, it, is, it is legal in Legacy. I, I thought Sneak and Show was just better. It probably <laughs> I is. I think that's why it fell out of favor. John, we should build Hypergenesis. I disagree. Why? Because Sneak and Show is just better. So here's the thing about that, though. Hypergenesis was printed after all the cards in Sneak and Show were already legal. Uh-huh. So why did Hypergenesis see play? When Sneak and Show was a perfectly legal and, av- and available deck, did they just not realize that it was just better? I mean, that was it one of those things that wouldn't where, be unheard of. Yeah, like was it one of those things where like you know a, a a deck was created and then they realized that an older card that ex- already has existed for years was already better. I think both decks existed kind of at the same time. Because, like, I think in Hypergenesis, you ran Show and Tell. Yeah, you did. You ran, You played both. Yeah, so I could... You also played Cascade cards, I which could, is I, weird. I couldn't tell you, but... Oh, well, yeah, you just, like, Violent Outburst into whatever and then giggle incessantly as you slam a gr- uh, Grizzlebrand on the table. That, that's actually probably why... Because Grizzlebrand's not good I, enough? No, by... By playing, being forced to play Cascade cards, you can't play Cantrips. And maybe that's it because that makes them uh, sneak and show just that much more consistent. Consistent, yeah. That'd, that'd be my guess, but I don't know. You can't play stuff like Lotus Petals for ramp either. Nope. You're stuck playing like you're stuck playing the Spirit Guides. Yeah, which is basically the same thing, but still. I mean, it does does the trick, but so. Huh. Random assessment of an ancient format. I would love to play that deck. Just saying. Never play a bad something else, Fletcher. I disagree, but that's another <laughs> conversation for another time. Yeah. It's and also it's not a bad something else, it's a less good something else, which is a huge difference. Like, if I was like, oh, I'm going to play Unexpected Results in Legacy, it's just like, there's literally two decks that are better than that. I think you're arguing semantics with Patrick Chapin. I'm arguing nuance is what it is. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I guess yes, but like there's there's a difference between being like significantly worse and like just slightly worse. I'm not disagreeing. There is a difference between playing other utter garbage and, you know, a slightly nice shirt that probably should be in the garbage. Right? Yeah. Like, but it still comes from the fact that there's still a perfectly nice sweet shirt that you just got that you could be wearing instead. Yeah, I disagree on that whole point, too, because I'd still wear the shirt. Because I don't throw shirts away. Well, neither do I, but I'm just saying. <laughs> also, Hypergenesis. I just want to play that card. <laughs> I will say I do not even own that card. I want to. and I think Because I think when I had Unexpected as a casual deck, I talked about putting it in there. I think you said if you do that, I will stop being your friend or something like that. Maybe. Which It's banned in modern. Which is legit, yeah. Well, this is when it was casual, not... Yeah, I know it's banned in modern, which is sad. I might actually own actually, a Genesis. I feel like I've seen one recently. It might be actually in my commander box somewhere. I'd like it, but all right, John, do you have anything else? On topic to our banter topic. Oh, what is your favorite Disney song? My favorite Disney song. Oh, dude, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, I have I three. Know. Go for it. I, I, I need some time to think on this. This is hard. So one of them is a newer one. Okay. I really like the song You're Welcome from Moana. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Like, the song is unbelievably catchy, and it's just so much goddamn ego crammed into one song that I love it. I also really like the song I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan. Fair enough. Like, no no one, period, let alone just males, can listen to that song and not feel like they should go to the gym. <laughs> and, and start getting know, ripped. <laughs> start getting ripped, right? But I have to say that my actual favorite song is probably Be Prepared from The Lion King. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good because one. This song is I have weird reasons for a couple. I got two in my head already. I love Disney songs too. I'm just <laughs> going to throw that out there because it's probably a giant surprise. Um, yep. Like my, my number. So I don't know. I'm going to go just number one and two uh, because that's all, right. all I can think of right now. Um, my number two is really lame, but probably. Um, can you feel the love tonight from the Lion King? I have a power metal version of it that I absolutely love. <laughs> um, power metal makes everything better, though. Yes, so. it does. Um, my favorite song is probably "Not in Nottingham" from the uh, from Robin Hood. Really? Yeah, super weird song. Lo I love how the song flows. Maybe it's just Roger Miller or something, but oh man, like I I, I dig that song. <laughs> Like for some reason, I just absolutely love that song. Like yeah, I, I think I have the guitar chords and stuff, and I've played it. Like I'll, I'll I'll play it and stuff like that. It's just it's just a sweet song. It has such a good tone to it that I don't know. I it just fit ex absolutely perfectly and had such a good tone, and I, I loved all that. But so yeah, it's a weird one, I'll admit. Yeah. But. But yeah, you're, oh man, you got you had some good ones there though. I say I don't know that Moana one. Yeah. I still haven't seen that. But well, I like I basically like you know I like a song that's super egotistical. I like a song that just gets me pumped up, yeah. and I like a song just because of like is also super egotistical. Yeah. That, like uh, be prepared scary. is nothing. Be prepared is nothing but Scar saying about how awesome he is. Pretty much, yeah. But that, <laughs> and it's great. That's that whole like segment is just great, and that song's great. Yeah. Also, Scar is great. Yep. Jeremy <laughs> Irons is great. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> like that, the whole soundtrack to that movie was just great. <laughs> Like, let's just say that. It was alright. It wasn't bad. I'll slap the shit out of you. 
trying to think of any of the more modern ones that I can like modern movies I've seen that have like Disney soundtracks are really solid. Actually, like I know this doesn't count for the conversation, but honorable mention to in the live action Beauty and the Beast, um, they actually added a new song. Uh, I think it's called like Evermore. I think is what it is, and that song is sweet, in my opinion. I think he crushed it, but uh, I also have a cover version of that. That's really cool, but I totally dig that song. So, all right, sweet. Anything else since we've sand- nope, sa- sandwiched this? <laughs> it was. I've actually been meaning to ask you that question for a while. Like it's been in my docs of questions for Fletcher for I'm not joking like two months. Oh funny. You know me way too well. But it was just too it was too perfect to yeah. not ask it now. So. Fair enough. So if you guys wanna um uh, send us some feedback, you can shoot us an email at the meta at gmail.com. Um if you wanna catch us on Twitter or let us know what your favorite Disney song is at the local meta PC. And John Good talking. Hopefully we'll be able to play some Legacy very, very soon here. Hopefully. And anyone in the, anyone in the area um, will have some decks. Probably. Multiple. And not just burn. And not just burn. Nope, not just burn. We, we're, we're, we're looking, through our, we're looking are... through our combined collections and trying to get some decks put together so we can, uh, you know, put, put our money where our mouth is basically to some degree and, and promote Legacy. Because it's great. So, all right. I guess I guess that's it. So we will we will catch you next time. <laughs>